cause just ain't right I'm so salty, must not give in to rage And I'm wondering what those rollers will say Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight Welcome to another episode of Eaton City Roller Derby I'm your host Simkoff and joined as always by this motley crew of rollers Uh, How are you team? I hear that uh, I see Bert's in the room What's up guys? How you doing? Remedy aka Glenn Hey everyone, how's it going? And the wild man from the west, Mr. Butters Hey guys. Well, it's uh, been a, a big week again in L5R. There's been an incredible amount of news that has happened. Uh, we've we've seen new cards, new previews, changes to the organizational play kit. Uh, we've seen the very important Australian hot pick champion, the fifth Australian hot pick champion, has been crowned. We'll get into that later on. Uh, we've seen the mid-season drops for the Global Discord League. It's been just a crazy, crazy, crazy week. Most importantly, the Emperor has appeared. Hubba, hubba, hubba. He I can't believe amazing. this dude costs six and is dash dash and people are still hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, amazing. His abilities are savage. <laughs> right. So let's uh let's start off with all of the all of the news items and, and Hante sounds like a great place to start. Um Dash Dash, six cost. Uh abilities better be pretty good, right? Well, you, you can't drag him into any conflicts. He's immune to all dueling. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, except, yeah. except Taru GI. Sorry, my mistake. Oh, was, man, he, he owns it at Taru GI. He's got six glory. That's amazing. Need, need we have, you, have to give him, you have to give him Shigenja with uh, Soshiro. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you get a couple of more. Oh, there's, there's your cheese Jank combo City, right there. Jank City, <laughs> six glory. That's, that's bird approved. Yeah. Um, so, so don't you fucking dare put my name on that, <laughs> <laughs> mate! You've just—you're the innovator. You're, you've incepted that combo. There's a oh coming up called Bird Approved. Jeez, you've really got to be careful what you put out into the world these days. You know, <laughs> I was going to take that literally. How's them tattoos yeah. going, Bert? <laughs> right so so this guy has two abilities well he's got a whole bunch of abilities well, he's got like traits. He's mythic. Like he's the first mythic character. Do you expect to see more mythic characters? Fulang, Fulang. Yeah, what about if they bring out some of the dragons, like the shadow dragons and the elemental dragons? They might be mythic. It wouldn't surprise me if there was a version of um, Tagashi Yukuni that popped up later on, a version two with a mythic trait. Once he does the big reveal. Yeah, so he co- he copies two abilities instead of one because you know he's already he's already too weak. All, all yeah. abilities. He may trigger all abilities on the table at will. <laughs> so so he could be so he's got like a he's got like a redirection ability and he also could just bow someone as an action right yeah i mean the bowing the bowing is super strong but that's a effect we see in other cards it's the interrupt that i think is just really really strong um it kind of acts a bit like a cancel in the sense that you're preventing some effect but you can also use it beneficially so like a let go for example you can discard one of their attachments of yeah. course your opponent's probably not going to play a let go while this guy's on the board but yeah that the upside is higher than a cancel but it is on the board so it's face up so it's a pretty interesting yeah. card I kind do you think of we feel might like seem fact that seem... it's telegraphed makes it stronger i feel like your opponent's just not going to play stuff 
It's like a mega Casada because you can yeah. pick and choose when you trigger it rather than it being. So do you feel like know. there's a new crab deck in the making which cheats out uh, Hante and Casada and, and just keeps them there? How do you cheat out? How do you cheat out this boy? Uh, appealing. Oh, I guess there's a couple of ways. <laughs> appealing, appealing the fortunes. Appealing the only way. Oh, appealing. Well, I mean, you could use uh, appealing the fortunes as the obvious way to do it, and you can start with that, so it's always available. <laughs> so it seems good. And then I was thinking, crab. I was thinking appealing to the fortunes plus good omen because you can't have attachments, yeah. so you can't reprieve him, yeah. but you can you can put fate on. You can my, good omens him. You can also uh, ve- not vengeful oathkeeper. Is that is that he's not vengeful oathkeeper? What's the name of that? The little douchebag uh, from Crab who can kill him, sacrifice himself to add a fate onto a characters. Oh, Vanguard Warrior. Yeah, Vanguard Warrior. Uh, Stand your so ground you, you got Iron Mines. Iron Mines keep him around. So I feel like there could be a crab deck. Imagine if you've got like Casada and Hanto out at the same time. Like that's that's a lot of like chat. That's a lot of things you have to do. There's a lot of tax there before you can actually start having successful actions. When you yeah. think about it, this is kind of like a giant Kanjo district with an extra ability that costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, you know what'd be actually kind of vile, I think, is um, you chuck him in Phoenix and you charge bird him in. Yeah, I guess when the charge bird dies, you could fetch. Wait, is is Fushisho? Does it say? Does it say oh, any is it Phoenix character only? Equal, equal or lower? Phoenix. It's Phoenix oh, I only. You get any character. Yeah, is it? Yeah, Phoenix. Okay. I'll shut up. So appealing the fortune seems to be the the the, uh, the best way of cheating this character out at the moment. Yeah. Well, you, you just buy him with your ten fate production stronghold. Yeah, and you can't Miyako's <laughs> undertaking. Do what you can. Yeah. So Shiro Shinyo. So it looks looks like there's a few different decks that could potentially use this character. Do what you can do. You can just do with the classic pass turn one, not interact with your opponent, and not get punished for it because currently there's not enough cards to punish turn one pass. And then you. Well, I think we, I think if your opponent is unicorn, there is. But yeah, I know what you mean <laughs> in general. Yeah, and then you can, just, you can play him turn two. Hard cast. Dude, do you know how sick this guy is against cavalry reserves? <laughs> you go and get all those zero drops. You're like, yeah, you could have a zero drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think this Hantai guy is absolutely mental. He's amazing. The problem is his his downside is fucking savage. If you ever. If he ever gets discarded, you're pretty much losing the game, I think, if you've paid for him, right? Yeah, and you can... I mean, the thing is, as well, if you're if you're running Satoshi, Satoshi can fetch Hantai as well. So you've got this kind of, like, train where you could you could build a deck that would consistently see Hantai. It's not like a, a dream card where you just hopefully, you know, you go through enough of your deck and you eventually see one. Like, with Satoshi and, you know, a few other tricks and, and maybe walking away, you'll get to Hantai pretty quick. Like, what when you're new holding as well isn't it the fishes for imperial the library. Yeah. yeah yeah the mere library so there's lots of ways of making sure you actually see anti so i guess yeah. the challenge is you need a shite load of fate like just an absolute bucket load of fate to make well, this thing work suppose if you have your satoshis though you've got a decent chance of milling for an extra copy as well just dump him for an extra fate it's another way to keep him around without having to pay that is true yeah you can discard him so so i think um have you guys been thinking about what sort of decks are actually going to make use of this character? I mean, I think uh, crabs can keep him around the longest, but they do have a challenge getting the Imperial favor. Ten fate a turn, Imperial Unicorn. <laughs> Imperial Unicorn. Are you, Glenn, you must be frothing at the mouth. You are, um, you are a Imperial fanboy. 
and and you must we're seeing all these imperial cards. Is that deck ready? Probably the most exciting news article from this pack. Like Crab got maybe one two cards, but this this was just you know pure bliss for the imperial player. Uh, nearly every card just really excited me for <laughs> for what's to come. Um, Dude, I I've just figured out Glenn is our Shay. He's the nicest guy in the podcast, and he loves Imperial shit, and he, he loves Jank. Yeah. I'm also I'm also more wine friendly than you, mate. So, got that going for me too. That's, that is true. That's dude. I, I bleed gold, bro. I don't know. I reckon if you, took, if you took Glenn to world, I'm pretty sure he'd remember to keep any shits in his deck. No, I think um I think the Imperial yeah. Imperial stuff got a real I'm, boost uh, with this pack. Um, the Emperor alone, being able to if you can cheat him out, I think he's incredible and i think probably the best way is even the fortunes with talisman in unicorn um second best is probably trying it in crab with the iron mine combo i think as bert said good omens probably one way to try and gain extra utility from him um or as butters said if you the big, what? The big challenge though i think I was just just thinking the biggest challenge with both those clans is totally agree. That's the they're the best way to if he didn't have the trait that says if you have if your opponent has the imperial favor, comma discard this character. They're the the two easiest ways to get him out. But to actually keep him on the board, not only do you need all crabs tricks, but you need to actually hold on to the favor. So I think that sometimes I mean, you know, some you've got to you've got to plan his entry. Like you basically have to have to suckle at the teat of of, of the the uh, the emperor well, <laughs> before the emperor has, arrives. He has six glory and can't enter conflicts, so the odds of him bowing are pretty slim. So and that six glory is going to hold you. So Scorpion can really screw with this dude, right? So Kiriko, that new poison that was revealed, means that as soon as Hantai tries to use any of his abilities, he gets bowed. <laughs> That's true. But like, it, if you... so <laughs> po- poison If the you big didn't boss. pay six fate though for him, I think like, I'm actually okay with that change. Like if they pay one to bow him, uh, they're not unit to bow one of your other characters. I think you have it has to be used in in the safe deck, which is probably IMS Phoenix because they have the most favor tricks. I think most other clans are going to struggle to consistently keep favor. Scorpion Granted. probably got the second second best shot of being able to keep favor. Like they've got with fawning diplomat, and then they you know and, and they can splash. You know, if you're splashing let goes, you can just chuck in the old ancient masters as well, and you've got to well, fawning. Fawning doesn't actually help though, because if they na- if your opponent naturally wins the favor, fawning triggers in fate phase, and then he gets discarded in the end. So fawning's time. a counter, but not a support. Yeah. Yeah, but but I guess Sadako, Sadako and Ancient Master. If you're splashing Dragon, but Sadako has is a three fate, two coster. So you know, I think you've got you've got a you've got a few ways of keeping it. But I do agree that the the Phoenix uh, old box seems to be the safest route. Do you know what I really love about this card? It's that it's the first. I think the first card in the game that is truly a hard control card, meaning yeah. your mid rangey Dragon type decks just can't include him because they they can't support him. But a very, very pointed control deck can play it. Unlike Fate Worse Than Death, for example, where every fucking clan under the sun was splashing it because it was just so strong and so easy to play anyway. So I, yeah. I like that this guy is like, he, his niche is the hard, hard control. Whether or not it's really, really good will, remains to be seen, but I like that it's, it's, a, 
it's a deck defining card rather than something you can just chuck anywhere yeah absolutely yeah it's it's a i mean it, it feels like uh any deck where you just put one or two of this of this this valor in more often it might seem like a good idea just splash a splash an emperor what's your splash emperor <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 his his august personage but um <laughs> but but it turns out if you want to use if you want to bring mythic to the table you better have a deck that supports that and and probably an aggro deck or a mid-range deck that doesn't have the tools to really effectively make this guy work you just want to hope your opponent doesn't have the old opium westral as well that's its kryptonite isn't it oh <laughs> shit well that actually is only to the end of the conflict it's, it's the counter to Bert's uh, you know phoenix shigenja jewel deck that he was building oh uh, yeah that's yeah, true. Like when, Bro, you, when you, we gotta we gotta stop this meme before it spreads, <laughs> and I do not I want people to play that. It's this. Please, please do not. Please don't do that. Please. So, so do you want to just just run through how you would construct this deck? So it's a Scorpio yeah, deck so- with IO. <laughs> it's splashing splashing Phoenix. <laughs> Walk us yeah, through three, it. Three three Jars, and that's yep. so you can win a glory jewel that you should otherwise be able to win anyway. But you're putting in a six fate character just so you can auto win them so it's a bully jewel rather than a jewel that you're winning anyway so yeah so you know yeah, so, no I'm with you we'll make it happen <laughs> solid for fuck's sake <laughs> 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 Alright, well here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Does can the Emperor favor Lion? Is there a way of making this card work out of out of the Lion faction? Nope. <laughs> any any <laughs> any any possibility of thinking about it for a couple of seconds or just blanket no? No, he totally can. Appealing to the fortunes and um stand your ground. Yeah, just there's there's two saves. Stand your ground, good omen. You, there you, you go. You, I just, you don't I just get don't targeted. see the benefit. You don't see the benefit of like lion struggles for control like like that redirect is super strong in line because they suffer there what do they usually get so is your, is your, are you ever buying this guy though because if you're never yeah. buying him and you're relying solely on one province like it's just total jank and i don't think lion can support a six drop can you can't spirit call him in can you no because you you has to have to be able to participate in a conflict for a spirit caller I think this guy's just he's he's maybe maybe crane like favor control crane or definitely phoenix i think are the two that are going to make best use out of him because you just have to make sure that the the if you, if an opponent has an imperial favor discard this character text never goes off if you're including him that's my opinion very true are there right. any cards other than scorpion that just straight up give you the favor though no, I but I don't know. So not not at the moment. I I think it, eventually Crane will probably have some jewel that lets him do that. But for the time being, no. Let's let's wait and see what happens in the Crane pack. But it seems, or maybe there'll be like a a Lion Clan if, I think if I just, they win a conflict as a reaction, take the favor or something. Because the other big card that got spoiled is this neutral event, defend your honor. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Role. Yeah. Keep a roll only, interrupt. Uh, when the effects of an opponent's event would initiate during a conflict, initiate a military duel against a character your opponent controls of his or her choice. And if your character is the duel's winner, you cancel the effects. That I, is the hotness. It is really good. I think it'll be like an auto-include in any keeper. I mean, I think that card alone for clans like Lion, Crab... Um, unicorn to a lesser degree will sway them heavily towards keeper roles over seekers 
I think it's it's too good to, to not. Especially it, if your client doesn't have native uh, event hate. Yeah, well, who who does? It's only Scorpion Crane, right? Yeah. So I mean, if you've got if you've got hand to hand and and this card, uh, a line on their way to becoming playable yet, uh, Bert, or are we still are we still in the doldrums? No, because I think most other clans can actually use this better, including Crane, because they have a stronghold that triggers off duels, and they actually have more military skill than Lion characters. So I think Crane and Crab will use this a lot better. I think Unicorn can use it pretty well. I mean, all Lions will probably play three of these if they're playing Keeper. But so I don't this- think it's like the card that elevates Lion, because other clans can use it even better. That's what I would say. We've seen a fairly large chunk of the set now. It does feel like that Crab, who are already doing very well in this current meta, um, this feels like a card that could potentially push them to even the next tier from, you know, potentially to God tier itself. Yeah, because this card in combo with Watch Commander is fucking savage too because it means that if they want to cancel your cancel or play another event, it's just costing them honor every time. It's it's super, super strong. Uh-huh. Right. Well, that's, right. that's that's some of the new cards. There's a bunch of other cards you can go and check out as well, but that, that's probably some, some thoughts, our hot take on those. Uh, but there is a lot of other news that was kind of released at the same time. Uh, one of those things was about some changes to uh, OP, aka organizational play or organized play, I think it's called, um, the way they're going to do price support. Glenn, did you have some details on that? Yeah, so... Um, even though this is in four kits for L5R haven't come out yet, um, FFG has decided that in 2019 they're going to shift gears a bit with their organized play program. Uh, this is not only specific to Legend of the Five Rings, but also to their other card games as well as X-Wing. So I think essentially what their focus is changing to is uh, the kits only cost about 10 to 15 Australian dollars. They support three months of play for up to eight players. And... Um, there's an increased focus on casual play. So there's reward and incentive for just showing up and playing casual games rather than uh, playing in super competitive tournaments or uh, in the stronghold events that we've been running currently for the current kits. Uh, And so that's the change. So previously, for reference, the kits were costing stores in Australia between 200 and 250. um, And... The uh, smaller kits for other card games were costing about 40 So this is a dramatic reduction in cost uh, for stores, and hopefully that translates into reduction in cost for players, um, you know, to the point of even it's just participation rather than uh, paying to play in tournaments. you go. Right. Well, we... Um we do have some pretty big events coming up over this weekend as well, um, which we want to keep a look on. So I think that there's the there's two cotes. These are the first cotes of, of the year. Uh, in One's in Cork, and I think that's going to get some pretty big numbers. I think we'll probably see potentially north of 100 there. Um, not sure how many are going to come to Phoenix. I wouldn't be surprised if it's... Hopefully it'll be close to that number. But, uh, you know, Phoenix, uh, there, was, there was quite a few folk. Was there a Phoenix cote last year? I'm not sure. There was... Uh, Maybe not. I don't you think know there what? was. I have no idea. I've got a <laughs> list up here and I can't see it on my list. So if it is, it's not on my list. So let's see. 
let's see, uh, there wasn't one in Arizona as far as I'm aware, so we'll see. But we do know that there is a fairly decent turnout plan there. I, I'm aware of a bunch of folk that are heading up there. Um, I think we're going to potentially get a stream at, uh, at the Phoenix Cote, so that'll hopefully uh, come out in a few days. So be, be tuned in for that. I think that should be a pretty exciting event. And Cork, um, I don't know the details there, but uh, I remember the Dublin Cote last year did have a um, did have some streaming facility. So those Irish folk are usually pretty good at, at sorting out some tech. So pretty excited to watch those. Uh, my hot tip is I think that uh, Crab is going to take both. Um, we're just going to wipe the floor. That's my perspective. Bold, bold prediction. Bold prediction. What about you guys? Uh, no, I, I think Unicorn are going to get pretty rough. I think they're going to come out and surprise people and then they're going to dominate pretty consistently soon. Um, they're just, their power curve, particularly what's coming up with like Children of the Empire and stuff, I think. Unicorn have Phoenix won an event yet? I think Phoenix yes. might win. Yeah, they have. They won an elemental championship a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think, I think any of Phoenix, Dragon, Crab, Crane, Unicorn can win. Uh, I think Scorpion and Lion. I think Scorpion Lion probably can't win, but the rest probably can. And yeah, I don't know. Anyone could win. I hope it's Unicorn or Phoenix or someone who hasn't won a lot. So refreshing here. Like honestly, it just sounds so much better than last year, where you know there's probably two clans in the running. Um, well, it, was, it was it was just it was almost entirely crab and scorpion last year there's uh, some dragons towards the end of the year that won big events but basically it was just crab and scorpion so now it's i mean if you look at those first six uh first six elemental championships that we've got uh records for we still haven't heard the results of the shanghai event but for the for the other six there was two craner up in front uh, in this current meta they've won two unicorn have taken out one as have crab phoenix and dragon so scorpion not in sight uh and and neither neither lion so i think that that's a quite quite a quite a variety of clans there it's just just two clans who aren't seeming to be able to put it together and it is interesting to see scorpion just not on the leaderboard anymore i think crab is going to be so fucking strong coming coat i think they've just got such a nice base to 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 add on cards into and like stuff like that keeper cancel oh man i'm worried about crap i think it's um the big the big thing i think is just the saves the saves have just been proving to be too strong in l5r in my opinion for both not only crab uh, proper but also as a splash for dragon well i think it just compounds that tower meta though which has been a problem forever but like yeah. you've got like one of those new magistrates sort of chisels away at big people they can't contribute the humble magistrate one of the new ones that was humble called. humble magistrate pluses yeah like there's a few and i think they're obviously working at it but um no you're right i think it's, it's pretty nice i think i do love the um, idea of those magistrates just have rules they're like this is the law that i'm enforcing yeah no it's, it's super good and they're good fun to play. well some of them are good fun to play others are just dead weight but, um for the most part no they're solid cards but um, no, I think on back on crab, I think they just um, they're too, sh they they have big people with good abilities, and they have so many saves. And I think when that restricted list changed recently, I think not moving reprieve there was probably a mistake. I think that's the the option between like having the dynasty and being able to turn them over and just have holdings there is all well and good. And crab, you know, leverage holdings really strong. But having them extra saves also in your hand for whenever they don't pop up. I think it's what tips them over the edge. It's just it's too much. 
I, I think that um, Neil asked Tyler on the interview with him, you know, an idea that I've been a big fan of for a long time. He asked him if he would ever think about implementing it, and that is when you save a character that all the attachments fall off, which I think is a fair way to implement saves. Like, either you have that, or you go the Game of Thrones route, and you have, like, kill cannot be saved card text, which is very, very strong in L5R. So, mm-hmm. But he said he didn't want to do it because it added complexity to the game, which... We well, sense too far gone now, yeah. Like I get it, um, but I think that's the way to do it. Like putting some kill cannot be saved. I mean, all you do is reduce to zero. Like they showed you Aramoro sort of abilities, you know, where if they hit zero. But like realistically, both of those characters aren't going to kill a meaningful tower right now. Like the people are going to play Finger of Jade, or they're just going to buff their guy to the point where they're untouchable you know you need to play more make an opening that's what you need <laughs> <laughs> right i did i did notice we did have our first we spoke last week about our first uh, unicorn winner chris hornsey who uh won uh in london the london event there with uh with his ninos his his uh his, his merman and tri maiden that managed to uh to outlast that field it was a pretty decent sized field too um what did, what did you guys think about that, like, Unicorn actually now starting to actually pump up some wins? I think it's fantastic. It's overdue. They, they suffered for a long time. They deserve some, a bit of a moment in the sun. Um, as I said before, though, I think with stuff like um, Komoko coming out and the like, I think they're, they're in high chance of getting out of control. Um, I, like, I personally love it because it's a deck that's that i want to be the top deck because it's so much fun to play and to play against and it doesn't have shit like restoration of balance or fucking tadaka that just turn off the game so i think it's a it's like it's on the upper end of what fair is and so i really really like the deck and i like that it's fast and puts pressure on huge fan and i hope that that's the best deck going forward i really i really hope it's the best deck so Chris, Chris has been our our, uh, our pioneer uh, as far as unicorn wins go, which is which is fantastic. And Glenn, I think you, you caught up with him recently, didn't you? Yeah, um, I interviewed him earlier this week. Um, I think what you guys are saying about the deck is pretty accurate. Um, talking to him, and you guys will hear it soon. But um, I think it's just exciting to have a deck where you and your opponent know what your game plan is, and like Bert said, it is uh, quite fair. You know that there's cavalry reserves and unleash the gin that you have to contend with and it's really about you trying to dismantle those pieces while they try to put them together and they put you on a clock to answer it um unless you lose uh, he was saying that most games lasted until turn two sometimes turn three very rarely turn four which is a pretty dynamic shift i think to what we're used to playing uh here in melbourne at least Hmm. Well, we will post uh, uh, Chris's deck uh, in, the, in the notes for the, for the podcast. You can just have a look in the notes there and click on it. Um, and, and maybe now's a good time for us to listen to that interview. Glenn, um, our roving reporter, caught up with Chris. So let's hear what they had to say. Hi, and welcome back to the Hinsey Rollers. I'm Glenn, and I have the pleasure today of having a recent Elemental Championship winner, Chris Hornsey, with me. Chris, how's it going? Hi, Glenn. Yeah, uh, pretty good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. No, no worries. Um, we thought, given that Unicorn hasn't had its day in the sun, so to speak, that we'd like to celebrate their recent victory at a quite a big tournament uh, over <laughs> in Dark Sphere. So congratulations. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's been uh, a bit rough for Unicorn so far, but uh, yeah, hopefully things are going to take a turn for the better soon. Yes. Um, and so I guess to start off with, I just thought it'd be good to just gauge just what was your background with L5R before, before obviously this tournament and all that. Had you been playing since Core or how did you get into the game? Well, um, so I actually played the, the old game, the old CCG uh, from AEG back in the day uh, for a bit. So I kind of uh, dabbled a bit when I was a teenager and then got back into it around the start of Emperor Edition. Um, sort of until the end um, and so yeah when they announced that FFG was going to buy the IP and start it up again then um, yeah as soon as it was launched I was kind of kind of back in there so yeah. and um, had you mainly played Unicorn since Core set or had you doubled through a different clans before coming to Unicorn um, so so yeah I played Unicorn in the old game so that was very much kind of my clan um when the core set came out and obviously trying to learn the game and everything, then uh, I was definitely playing Unicorn to start with. Um, but once we got a you know a good few games in, and uh, you know I thought I was getting the hang of the game, but you know still seemed to be having a pretty tough time actually getting anywhere. Uh, I decided to switch around a bit, so I actually uh, I went to the Cote in Cork last year, and I ended up playing Crab just because I didn't fancy my chances with the Unicorn there. So you went from a, a super defensive clan to probably one of the most aggressive clans out there. <laughs> so it's quite a quite a shift back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't think crab, su- crab suited my playstyle at all. It's just sort of at the time I thought it was going to be a good deck. Yeah, and so um, I guess you've then come and built this uh, monster of a deck. This very aggressive deck. Um, and I was wondering, how did you settle on this style of deck for Unicorn, given that there's been a few different approaches to the the HMT Unicorn uh, over the past three or four months? Uh, yeah, sure. That's a good question, actually. So, um, I mean, I've been kind of playing around with, with uh, HMT kind of since it was released for Unicorn and, and yeah, tried a few different things. Um, mostly trying dragon splash because i kind of assumed that would be best um and kind of the more games i played the more i found that uh the shorter the game was and the more i could take advantage of kind of the really explosive conflicts that you can get out uh the the better i seemed to be doing so it kind of eventually went in in kind of that direction with just as many as many conflict and, and military pumps as it could put in basically And is this a list that you um, had been, you know, filling around with for quite a few months, or is it something that you'd set it on quite recently, post restricted list, and kind of had just been refining over the past month or so? Uh, yeah, definitely post restricted list. Um, I think was when I really settled on it. Um, so obviously, against the waves coming off the restricted list really opens that up and with the number of Shigenja you want to put in the deck naturally anyway, uh, it seemed like a good fit. And um, I'd always you know, really liked Feral Ningyo. Um, we have kind of a very consistent Phoenix player in, in our group here, here in Cambridge. And I was always jealous when he got to, to get those Ningyos down. So I kind of wanted to have a go myself. 
Yeah, and I, I noticed, obviously, in your very detailed write-up, you discussed your decision to not run um, what was considered a very fundamental card for Unicorn for quite a while, which was Spyglass. And I, I thought you had a very interesting um, perspective on why that was. I was wondering if you could just go over that again uh, here about, um, you know, uh, why not run uh, Spyglass in this style of deck and how you found that kind of changed your approach to the game plan. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, again, uh, good question. It's it's kind of a it was a tough decision to come to, and and kind of a, a non-intuitive one, I guess, because yeah, you're right. Spyglass is probably one of Unicorn's best cards, um, but kind of as I was playing with it, I found that there wasn't always a good fit with a character I wanted to put Spyglass on, um, and so a lot of the times when I go into turn one, then I just want to buy maybe just a moto youth or a border rider um, and obviously they're both pretty terrible targets to put a spyglass on because you know they're just going to get assassinated or or maybe i just uh kind of you know uh, discard them to the stronghold and so turn one it wasn't feeling particularly good for me and then turn two is when i tended to buy a more expensive character and maybe put a spyglass on but the way the deck works is you don't always get that character in both in two conflicts turn two so you don't always get both triggers of the spyglass off there and at that point you're having to wait until turn three until you get kind of your value back off the the spyglass um i guess what I mean by that is, so if Spyglass costs you one flate and a card to play, then you really need to be drawing at least two cards off it, basically to kind of get back to to where you started with it. Um, so yeah, it kind of, it just took a long time to, to get the kind of the value back off that. And I found that actually I'd, I'd have it in my opening hand or I'd have it early on and I just couldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, I guess uh, two things off that. It feels like if you do manage to cut that card, it does open three precious slots to open up, you know, some other options for your deck. Um, was there something that you just replaced it with or did you just up the count on some of your other cards in, in the deck? Yeah, um, you, you're right. That's a, that's a key point as well. There are lots of, you know, quite nice toys to try and fit in the deck now um i guess if it got replaced by anything then it was probably the the invocation of ashes those are kind of the the difficult cards to put in um but with shahai and, and also with against the waves then coming into the deck then then they get better as well and yeah that, that just seemed like a more natural fit mm. i guess my other consideration was um Given the amount of cards that you seem to have in your deck that, you know, uh, lose you in honor, so Bonsai, uh, Captive Audience, and Unleash the Djinn, I was wondering if you had any thoughts or if you had any testing against Dishonor decks or decks that would pressure your honor um, and try to out-control your early aggressive game plan. Um, had you had much experience against that? And did you did you have lines of play that you felt were strong enough to get through that hump? Yeah, so... Uh... I don't know what it's like in, in Australia, but I'm not quite sure when you say a Dishonor deck here, I don't. there seem to be sort of two two ways that can go. There's the very aggressive Dishonor deck, which seems to go, okay, turn one, I'm going to bid one, and then I'm just not going to leave my dial off one for the entire game and, and slowly grind you down. And then there's kind of the, just the, I don't know, what I view as sort of the standard Scorpion deck, um, which uh, uh, 
uh, I think his name was Jake, who I played in the finals, was playing, which is kind of, you know, gradually removes honor from the game and, and slowly takes it from you. Um, so kind of the, the aggressive bid one style, I hadn't really had too much practice against. Um, sort of no one locally was was playing that style of deck. Um, so I guess I didn't didn't play too much against that. Um, the sort of the more standard Scorpion deck, then I've had a, I've played a few games against that, and it's it's a bit of a matter of, of being careful, um, and sometimes as well, and, and definitely my so the the finals games I played, you have to essentially pick a turn that you're going to win or you're going to lose on, and you say okay, well at the end of this turn I have so many dishonored characters leaving play it's game over so i've got to win this turn and then you think about well how do i how do i make sure uh you know this turn that i don't you know dishonor myself out through anything and just kind of make sure it's okay through through that um so that was kind of sort of how my my finals game went was going into the final turn i sort of decided that this was the this was the turn where I was gonna gonna end it, and um, I think I <laughs> I caused the spectators to to laugh a little bit. So I sat there at the beginning of the turn. I think I was on about two honor or something, and um, I sort of went and thought, you know, okay, this is the final turn, big tournament. I've made it all the way to the final, and I sort of looked at the board and I thought to myself, and I hadn't realised I'd said this out loud. I looked up and I was like how do I not lose this game? <laughs> and everyone just laughs. And But fortunately, Jake, who I was playing, was, was very good sported about it. And he, I think he, he understood, you know, we both kind of had a long day and he understood kind of the, the, the context of, of where that was coming from. Um, he played a very good game. So, uh, sorry, that's a bit of a long-winded, long-winded answer to your question. Um, uh, how to beat Dishonored X. Um, yeah, just be very, very conscious of the honor and and whenever you see a yurt obviously take the honor as well that's that's always very good yeah i guess the the yurts are definitely one way that i find against unicorn if you are playing dishonor that you just get that refuel so that you don't get punished really for drawing a few more cards or spending your cards each turn um yeah yeah exactly and that's that's kind of how i view them is okay each yurt i get to use is it's two more cards that i get to draw which is good um yeah to you know potentially buy another character you know you might you might want to see i think yeah it's quite a flexible card and like you've said it seems like in an aggressive deck it kind of just does offer that buffer against what i'd consider probably one of the harder matchups for the deck was there any other decks you were worried about running into um i'm not sure if there are any matchups specifically i was worried about possibly crab um because i know if crab can turtle up and get a karada district down and keep stealing my attachments then that i know that can be a very tough matchup um and um, you never know what's going to come out of left field. You know, someone's put some kind of janky deck together playing pacifism or, or some kind of crazy expensive attachment that I don't have an answer to, then, then that could be quite bad as well. Pit trap, yeah. I saw no pit traps. I didn't play against Crab. Um, and I don't know anyone who's crazy enough to splash for pit trap. But uh, fortunately, I avoided that. I've been quite bad. Actually, I what does, how does that work? Is it. They can't be assigned to 
more conflicts or something? I can't remember. I don't think I've ever seen that card played. Yeah, I think I think it costs three fate. You play it on an attacking character, um, and then they can't unbow uh, in the next uh, in the next uh, ready phase of the regroup phase. The the funny thing is that your deck would actually be pretty good counter to it because you have Shintomi encampment and um, against the waves, so you'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unbow. Fair enough. Uh, uh, yeah, it was mostly the the core core game plan. So I guess the the idea with the deck was that I would be the one who was setting out how the game was going to be played, and um, yeah, kind of the temper of the game, I guess, for lack of a better uh, better word. And then also posing my opponent the questions to say, okay, you know, can you can you stop me breaking all of these provinces and um, being less concerned with with what they might throw back against me, um, and yeah, that was pretty much the same same game plan against everything. Mm. And how did you find appealing to the fortunes performed on the day? Um, I know you know there's two camps of uh, players who are switching to that that really strong aggressive province, and those that are sticking with shameful display to kind of address the scorpion and crane matchups. Um, did you feel like it pulled its weight? Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely tournament? it definitely pulled its weight in the tournament, and uh, yeah, it was it was definitely a, a good move. Um, I think having another province that I didn't want to defend, or or that could just kind of end badly for my opponent if they ran into it, was was very strong. Um, obviously, if you're committing a lot of characters to attack, then you don't necessarily want to defend. So, you're having a body for for shameful display, for example, is isn't necessarily ideal all of the time um though it is very good with with talisman of the sun and um so yeah it was just yeah a lot of the times just being able to go on the the attack was was better and the way the stronghold works as well is so long as you've activated it then you always get the final conflict um so even if you're uh going first and you've had two conflicts already and your opponent is breaking it on their second then you still get to, to attack with that character um, and yeah, I think one game as well uh, it broke and I got a keeper initiate off it I hadn't been able to win the firing that turn I just had a keeper initiate in my in my province row and that was enough to I was able to then attack water on my next attack with the keeper initiate to give me you know just another body to attack with to ready the uh, I can't remember it's probably a, a um, um, in army Kazi regulars to then go and, and break another province so and you don't always have to get kind of the the massive you know five coster out sometimes just a, a cheap one one for free is is all you need to start the next conflict yeah keepers a good man like I, i'm a crab player so keepers keepers are like tier one in my book <laughs> all right yeah and crab keepers are absolutely fantastic i mean you defend with them they're two two um you just sack them to witch hunters and then stand stuff it's they're amazing there yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a value hound so like it's obviously you need cooney lab as well to make them three threes on defense and it, you're just asking you're asking your opponent <laughs> some impossible questions to boost it's, it's really good i, I guess just yeah looking slightly you see ahead. see that's that's the deck that i don't want to play against with this that you know three keepers and your cooney lab and defending with that against uh, against this that sounds awful i will defend that wall pretty pretty hard if uh, unicorn comes <laughs> up against it but it's just great to see unicorn succeed i guess on a 
on a quite a competitive level. Um, it's nice to see, I guess, over the past two weekends, the variety of decks that have been winning elemental championships and just kind of how the new restricted list has kind of allowed and opened up um, a lot of deck lists to kind of shine. Um, and it's just great to hear that, you know, you've, you've built this deck and refined it over the past month and um, especially having a more aggressive playstyle because I feel like for a long time this game didn't really have a deck that you could call aggro but also consider quite competitive. Um, the HMT Lion deck kind of had, a, you know, a brief moment in the sunshine but this Unicorn deck seems a lot more consistent um so hopefully moving forward we see more of it is there any cards that you can see in the future that you're hoping to to chuck into the deck uh yeah thanks yeah no it's it's good good to good to see unicorn putting up a result and yeah a good variety of decks um new cards uh the obvious one is is kamiko in i think she's in children of the empire um that's going to be that's going to be really good, I expect. Um, so I think she, when your one of your provinces is broken, she can honor herself and ready. Um, so that's that's going to be pretty good. Um, and then uh, I think in the unicorn pack, there's that uh, there's the Gaijin the Gaijin sword, which is kind of like a fine katana, but but three when attacking. I suspect that would go in this deck as well. Yeah, that, that um, seems quite good. Mm. yeah I think so well Chris it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast thank you so much for your time and uh, like I say congratulations once again uh, and hopefully we see Unicorn posting more results like, like yours uh, moving forward and we hope to hear from you soon uh, at more tournaments coming up <laughs> thanks very much yeah no thanks thanks for having me on and, and yeah thanks and uh, yeah likewise hopefully you know Unicorn's day in the sun is is yet to come and things definitely look positive in the future. No worries. Thanks, Chris, and uh, to all the listeners, keep chasing the sun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was a fantastic interview, Glenn. I have to say that your your skills are, are going to be needed elsewhere as well. I think we could be our our roving one on one maestro for the next uh, next few months, and let's get a few extra of those interviews out. It'd be good to see as we start to see a variety of people, um, variety of clans, and other decks and and players that you know we haven't necessarily heard from in the public that haven't had their time to shine in the in the public spotlight, as it were. It'd be good for you to start covering a little bit more of that. So thanks thanks for that, Glenn. You reckon we can get Glenn stuck out there in like a Afghanistan war zone or something in the middle of a firefight interviewing on L5R? <laughs> Foreign do you, correspondent. Do you see there's some people That's in it. Delhi? Like maybe we can just go there uh, next week. We can just get our, our three listeners from Delhi. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd actually start a I'd actually be really me. interested. Yeah. I'd actually be really curious to start hear from those listeners from in Delhi uh, as to what, 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 what their mid is like. I, I'd be really fascinating, I think. Um, isolated metas are always the most interesting thing. Could see some really fascinating decks, I reckon. For sure, and I think I think today, uh, just before the recording of this podcast, uh, speaking of isolated metas, Australia has been known as the most isolated. Well, it is the most isolated uh, continent in the this this world, the globe. Although um, apparently we're not a globe, according to the flat earthers that have uh, popped up on in in our country recently. <laughs> but um, if you're not a, if you're not a flat earther, Australia is quite isolated, and we just saw the fifth hot pick champion be crowned. But what a game! 
Yeah, it was quite a long, drawn-out battle where both players had, you know, opportunities to lunge for the win. It was Phoenix v. Dragon. Um, our own uh, roller compatriot Merlin took uh, took on um, Graham Hay, a.k.a. Monkeys and Pirates, who's also the creator of that cool app, uh, Deck of Five Rings, on, uh, oh, really? on the App Store. That's um, awesome. And he, Graham, ended up winning, and it was a very, very close game with a lot of swings, and the Enigmatic Magistrate actually played a pretty significant role. So shout out to Brad Andres for designing your favorite card because it was used to win a title down under, which is There was a crazy. little bit of a sumiko there as well, wasn't there? I... Who? Sumiko. Su-su-sumiko. <laughs> I have erased her from my brain after Anil put it in me with, uh, with her in, uh, in our final. Many moons ago now. Oh, that's the Discord League, yeah. Is it, have you ever seen Enigmatic Magistrate? I don't think I've ever seen it played, period, let alone... Tune in like to the Discord League, Let alone Tune in, well. because it was used to great effect in that it. game. Like, <laughs> no. Is the deck built around it? No, it's just, it was just like, it happened to be very strong. Like, it, it, like Merlin had two four drops that weren't counting skill against it. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. What are you yeah, it was, it was quite quite the intense game. So we've got that's the that's the end of season five, and it was great to see that um, you know there was there was still quite a, quite a I think that we had almost thirty folk uh, participating this season, um, and it was a I think bit it was thirty four, yeah, thirty four, and it was a bit of a weird season because it was over the it was kind of uh, started a long time ago, and then it kind of uh, there was a few drops, and it kind of extended into the the sort of Christmas break. So with uh, Children of the Empire coming out, I think you're gonna we're going to stage the next one, I think, uh, once Jigaku has has a coat loaded into it. I think that's going to be the appropriate time for the, the next one to be announced. Have you got any uh, any sneak previews of, of anything, that any potential twists and turns that might be there for the uh, the sixth hit, uh, the sixth Australian Discord League Championships? I think just watch this space. But, um, yeah, it will be – we'll start it when coat is released because we want a new meta. Um I think players want it too, so everyone can salivate until then. But yeah, um, just uh, keep an eye, keep your eyes and ears to the ground. Absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, look, it was it was a fantastic tournament. We did get to cast a bunch of games, and we'll we're going to start casting a little bit more. Uh, Toridori today, Bert. I noticed that uh, you've uh, you've taken our Hidden City Roller Twitch channel live. How was that to be there when it became a thing? You know what? It's always great to be on a maiden voyage. Um, there are a few people in the chat who were pretending to be brand new players to the game. One was called Glenn Loves L5R. So <laughs> shout out to you, Marwin. I'm pretty sure it was Marwin. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Marwin. Was oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, uh, people were having fun. Um, Luke Bitmetal wanted to throw bits at us, but we don't have that set up yet. So he wanted to chuck pennies in our face, but hopefully we'll have that soon. We're leaving pennies on the table, man. We gotta, we gotta get that, we gotta get that Twitch, that Twitch money happening, that money train. <laughs> yeah, the th- three ninety nine a month from one subscriber. Yep, two months get that new Lambo. She'll be right. <laughs> is it is it the three right. month subscription that gives you access to that deck we're talking about? Patreon access. Oh, actually, you know what? There we go. There's some there's some deluxe locked content. Is if you wanna if you wanna know how the the Hante uh, Tari G uh, deck works, 
No, anyway, dude, I I won't even do. I won't even sell it. <laughs> I'm just, it's against, <laughs> no, it's against my moral my moral principles to, to spread that crap. Can I just say that? Um, <laughs> can I just say that Star Wars Destiny? All they do is they lock all their like all the content creators lock all their content behind Patreon. So if you actually want to get good at the game, they they lock it behind Patreon. It's hilarious. I just are you uh, and serious? new players always ask me like, "How do you get better at this game?" It's like, "Just roll better, man." Like, don't worry about the rest of it. Just roll better. They're like, "Oh yeah, it's a dice game." I remember. I'm like, "Yeah, don't pay money for that." Um, so I, I always am reminded <laughs> of how good the L5R community is because uh, we all want to just share our love for the game um, in however we want to do it. I did. I, I did. Di- this is great. I agree. I did dive into Hearthstone for 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 the first sort of year and a half when it came out, and I did see people offering two hundred dollars an hour lessons. I didn't take them up on it, but I always always wonder what you get for oh. two hundred bucks an hour for Hearthstone. Well, well, depends how good you're flipping. To <laughs> things, mate. Like you gotta, you it's, can't just go. Tips on like how Ragnaros the Fire Lord can 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 if hit you face. If you press A B A B like the old Pokemon, just A B A B A B A B. You catch it better. <laughs> Dude, I am I am fucking shocked that they put content behind paywall for like a tiny else oh, like a, I guess it's a I don't CCG. mind that's a joke. What I don't mind is that I don't mind when people put in a lot of effort for things. If you if they give if it, if if you give away like a bunch of your stuff, that's super cool. But if you know if you've put in like hours and hours or you know days and days of work on some of these amazing videos, I get it. Like content creators, I get it. It's cool, and it's and I mean it's something if people are passionate about it and they spend forty hours making a video, and they want five bucks, good on them. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying for the Alpha community. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for being a cool free community. Uh, keep it yeah. up. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't deride anyone for trying to make a buck, but also like by the same token, no, uh, it's like Imperial, Imperial Advisors been really good, right? Like, I feel like their oh, articles fantastic. are very, very great for everyone involved in the game. So, um, yeah, uh, absolutely agreed. So I think um, this app, this uh, that uh, Graham puts out, if any of you haven't tried it, it's called a deck of five rings uh, he's, he's updated it at some point in the last six months I haven't looked at it for a while but I downloaded it today uh, it's really really fantastic um, because what it does it has like the restricted list it has like a structure so you can see the timing so if you've got any new players just tell them it's free if you've got any new players tell them to download a deck of five things and it's got like your here's all the phases here's the timing windows here's your restricted list and the cool thing as well is you can very easily search and look up cards and then when you look up the card it's got you know a picture of the card and it has all of the rulings uh, updated mm. so you can just very very quickly look up the rulings so instead of having to like um, you know go to the various sites and scroll through things which can be really difficult on your mobile phone really easy on a laptop but you can just open this this app up and super good and I'd highly recommend if you're going to be a judge at a tournament it's a handy tool to have as well plus I, it's got spoilers which is sick yeah I Everybody assumed loves that was like common knowledge like we've been using that since the get go like almost since the start of the game over here, it's been like it's everyone's got it on their table just about every competitive event. It's really handy and really good, especially for newer people who maybe don't commit all their time to playing the game and knocking out the card rulings and all the bits of errata and stuff. Yeah, highly recommend. Um, so anyone else being gonna get better, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's been a few new podcasts that have started to surface. Uh, have you guys heard of that Meek Informant podcast? Yeah, I gave that a listen. It was super good. I rate it. Everyone should get in. Give us, give us but, the um, sell butters. Well, 
the Miku format, I think there are a series of players who have not been playing in an especially long time. I think between three and nine months each, uh, three or four of them. But um, they have decided that the game is great, like we all have. But they've said, well, look, it's actually, you know, it's it's fairly daunting. I think for newer players was probably the thought process, and they've put this podcast together to help um, or emphasise assisting newer players. So. They talk about like their experiences as relatively new players to the game, um, and they've gone through and mentioned a lot of the key resources and things that people use, um, explain some of the phases and how the game works and why the game is good. Um, they mentioned Jigoku, obviously, is a super important resource if you're trying to get competitive at the game and learn how to play it. Um, the first episode, they've only done one so far, and it was really good, I really enjoyed it. Um, but they predominantly went through and just sort of explained their why they play the game, why they think it's great. I think one of them played Netrunner and thought nothing had ever replaced that game, and then they changed their mind when they found L5R after Netrunner took a bit of a nosedive. Um, but look, no, I, I rate it really high. It, it's a really, it's got the makings of a really good cast. As I said, there are only one episode in at the moment, but I enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it. particularly if you know anyone new that's looking to get into the game i think pretty sure for our first episode it was just us breathing into mics really heavily and a bunch of like errant sounds and robot voices <laughs> hey look that, that <laughs> was that was only a couple can of episodes ago that <laughs> i think that took a lot of um pre and post-production effort to get those those sound effects in place uh, and that <laughs> given the quality of our casting i think trying to downgrade it to sound lo-fi and give it that vibe i think um people underestimate the effort that we're into. yeah we've been working with um weta uh to weta studios just to really get that get that lo-fi just you know perfect that lo-fi yeah. feel I mean, it was guys lo- <laughs> lo- lo-fi is more of a branding thing we're not actually lo-fi right we got well, high-tech shit right well all the all the guys in our marketing department they all insisted that the lo-fi brand was really important so, Aren't you guys using tin cans of string right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that's what we're all using. <laughs> that's just you. Um, so, did you get my, did you get my smoke? Did you get my, did you get my smoke signals just a few minutes ago? <laughs> Semaphores. We're just using flags like they do on like aircraft. <laughs> um, so, so I think we also do have some people that actually listen to us. I'm sorry if you do, but if you've made it this far, we will, we will reward you by answering some of your questions. Uh, yeah, um, we we've uh, scaled back listener questions to once a month, so that means we've got four times the questions. Not really. We we've got we've got a few questions from a few avid listeners this week. Um, we've kind of covered a few this cast, so we we kind of read what the listeners were asking for, anyways, which is good because we're meeting what our audience wants, guys. So keep that up. Um, so the first question was really a question about is hentai busted or unplayable and why is there no in-between i think the question is more referring to why are players in l5r so quick to either say a card is playable or unplayable and why is there no middle room in this game currently because we're basement dwelling nerds and that's our right to be bold (laughs) and make stupid claims that's what we do (laughs) i mean why are you playing this game glenn you're not playing it to make friends surely (laughs) (laughs) like just cries cries in there cries in my basement like, uh, I, I thought it was it's a really fair question to ask I think it's the hideout insecurity it's like I, I win so. I win I win to I win to like not be insecure that's that's my motto moving forward win secure yeah, I think I think 
this question is a good question though because a card like this its effects are so strong but it's such a heavy investment and there's mm. a, such a huge drawback that it does feel like in some games it's going to win you the game in other games it's going to do nothing and lose you the game and so it's a bit more of an all or nothing sort of card than I, say yeah. a fate worse than death where you can just play it in any clan and, and do a lot of damage yeah, I feel like Hante, when you play him, he will either dominate the game or he'll be irrelevant. There won't ever be, he'll have a bit of an impact. He'll either get sorted out pretty quick or played around, or he'll just crush you and you won't feel like you can do anything. Okay. So I think Which I think is fine for a six over. drop. Like, that's can I just right. say though, I just think it's exciting that I, like, I just want to cast him. It's sort of like Bayushi Whispers. I just literally wanted to play the card. Like, there's no, like, I didn't, wanna, I didn't care about winning. I just wanted to play the card and use the action. And if I couldn't do that, that was a negative play experience. If like, I think- But he's just a cool character, yeah, right? It's awesome. Like he's, it's the emperor, it's the, it's the damn emperor. Like it's his august personage. It's, it's, it's the man who's in control of Rockigan, you know? Like it's, it's, he's, he's supposed to be divine. Like he's channeling a Kami. Come on, direct descendant of Hantai. <laughs> do you reckon I know, I reckon I know who will love this card, by of the way. Hentai, I right? think, is it Lord Shoju on Jugoku? Oh my god! Like I want, I want to, I want to play Lord Shoju on Jugaku. Drop this card and just read read his text. <laughs> I think that'd be like the best <laughs> alpha. Any new player, you just need to direct them to Jugoku and let them play Lord Shoju. You'll honestly have like the best experience of this card game. I feel. <laughs> that's peak 5r playing against lord Georgie. he's uh, it's the it's like it's i call it yeah it's like ppe positive positive experience <laughs> so uh, another listener asked us when will seal of the line start to see play um this is a really interesting question and i think rather than discussing it here um we're actually going to have a video coming out quite soon that will address this question uh i've been working on it for a little while and so this is this question was submitted. No, by you, no, not at all. <laughs> someone else. This is what I prepared earlier. Someone else. <laughs> someone else wants to know if this seal is playable. You the turkey. Um, the answer realistically is probably when there's more commanders and cards that work off commanders. But currently, uh, yeah, if you tune in next week, there should be some content that will appeal to seal of the lion players. Uh, yeah. Sweet content. Um, so there's another question about when does jank become not jank? And I think that ties into that first question we discussed. Um, what changes a deck from meme status to something that wins a tournament? Uh, it feels like, for instance, uh, the whole, like, you just pass the Denisi phase. That's a bit of jank for a little bit. But then all of a sudden, it's the most oppressive deck uh, that you can bring to a tournament for a while. Uh, what do you think that that's transition I do. point? I, yeah, that is that is interesting. I still remember the very first time uh, when we had some rollers over at my place. Uh, we were sitting down to play, and I was playing against Bert. And this is very, very, very early on in the piece there. And it was uh, you know dynasty phase turn one, no board, and I just, and I was going first, and I said pass. I still remember him just bursting into tears of laughter, <laughs> <laughs> just like what the you what the hell are you doing? And it is it is one of those things where there, you do tend to see uh, like especially that's why like experimental players and innovative players tend to cop 
a lot of flack if they're not if they're not um, you know just making sure they're converging on groupthink play. So moving from jank to groupthink, I think it requires more than just a tournament victory. If it's just like one dude who brings deck um, who doesn't have a rep, uh, like doesn't have a reputation, then it's very hard for that deck to gain community acceptance. Like if you look at uh, Game of Thrones, there was a guy called Bruno, and he would always bring weird shit to tournaments, and he would win with it but because he had that reputation. Then whatever weird shit he brought to the tournament would become the meta for the next uh, few months. So you know, at the moment we don't we've got a few sort of all star players that that, that that can do that, but they tend to bring exactly the same deck to every single tournament. So we don't really see like new trendsetters. So I think sometimes it just takes lots and lots of wins, um, you know, in local in the local scene, and that starts to bubble up to multiple tournament wins. It's more than just one person winning one tournament. I think that the the card pool being shallow uh, up until this point has something to do with it. And there's more room for innovation going forward because these hidden sort of archetypes will bubble to the surface. The best example I can think of this is Consumed by Five Fires, which started out as unplayable trash. And then there was a niche application because the meta was tending towards these heavily overfading characters to deal with the prevalence of fate worse than death. And then all of a sudden, this card became a massive weapon in the environment. And so I think one way that jank can become not jank is just by a tiny shift in the metagame. And then some card that was seen to be unplayable becomes a very, very powerful uh, tool. So do you I think, think that's the, one way it happens. Sorry, do you think the community at large embraces the innovation? And in, like, do you think they're accepting of these sort of off meta decks? Uh, yeah. I think I think the community at large are, but I think in terms of like, if you looked at an average set of players and you talk to them, they'd be like, "That sounds like a really cool idea. I want to try it out." But but I'm not sure that the there's a difference between that sounds cool, I want to try it out, versus that sounds like a tier one ultra competitive no life a deck that I will play. That's why I think you guys like Mosey are super important because they're a crossover between the banana and the and the uh, sublime. <laughs> And so you want guys like him because he's a hyper-competitive guy who's also not willing to innovate. And I think Fro also does it as well. I think those are the two that come to my head as leaders. Yep. Um, so I, cool. Well, I think we've got yeah, time so, for about one more question. Uh, we had someone ask us uh, about if somebody wished to build a neutral deck, uh, whether it be Imperial or Mantis, which clan would be the best base to build on top of, including stronghold usage and as fewer cards as possible from that clan? think I'm new, new unicorn hands down for me so the, the third yeah. unicorn box Ben absolutely be it doesn't require unicorn at all um, yeah, actually, I have to agree. I think that the new Unicorn box is going to present some really interesting options. The the mass generation of fate required to make these guys work, uh, I think, is, is going to help. Um, but I will also say that um, just I think Satoshi helps any Imperial deck. So it's just going to be able to generate a, a truckload of fate. Well, I think, I think cra- Crab's pretty good for it too because you've got yeah. innate saves and Cooney Labs, which works with all of your characters, I- including neutrals, stuff like that. Unicorn, though, I've also got like the the Meishoto rebates, oh, um, whatever her name is, the the covert. 
Shahai the Shahai, Dark yep. Daughter. Yeah. So, oh, and, and um, you can play Gaijin Customs. Gaijin Customs as well. Yep. Yeah. So the Unicorn have got that whole. Yeah. Thing. I think you, so, yeah, Unicorn will be the pick so, for sure. Something me and Butters were talking about earlier was that um, you can run the favorable mount. You can attach it to like a neutral character, and then you can both use Gaijin Customs and use Shintomi Encampment on them because they're now a cavalry unit. Um, whereas yeah, whereas it. if so you use the seal of the OB. unicorn, you then can't use Gaijin Customs. It was just an interesting point to note with that. Yeah, That's actually really fate. true. I mean, the favoured mount costs a fate though, doesn't it? But it has an, it's got an action though. You can bring yeah, can the character. Yeah, it's got like a legit action. I think favoured mount is, is yeah. overall pretty underrated card. I think it's yeah. really strong. Yeah, it, I do too. I think the more magistrates you see in the game that are super usable, I think the more of that sort of card you'll see because yeah. if you can throw like a, an oppressive magistrate, like right. uh, what's the new one? Humble. One that shuts off four and five costs. Like if you can have that offensively, bout or otherwise, yeah, the humble magistrate thinks so. Um, but if you can have that in both your offensive conflicts in a turn, that's really significant. I just love the idea of judges on horses. Just, just making rulings, just wherever they go. I feel like, I feel like if I was a judge, I'd want to be on a horse. Oh, mobile like rulings is fantastic. Also, the idea of having like <laughs> unicorn be the clan that's telling everybody what to do is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the legislators, so, the, 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 the Gaijin legislators. Surprise question for you from <laughs> yeah. Travis. Um, he made a cut. He made a custom card for you. Okay, um, here we go. It's a three-cost conflict Shigenja character. Uh, with two two stats and one glory, what do you think the ability is? Yep, Scorpion Clan. What do I think the ability is? Name starts with Yogo. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So the custom card know, says action. It's a new, it's a, uh, when it's your opponent would play a spell in a conflict, play put this character into play from your head <laughs> and cancel the effects <laughs> of the spell. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that card? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that you, fucking card should be banned, bro. <laughs> thank you, Travis, for the. Should you know be, what? It's probably it's a silver bullet. No one would play it, right? Like, only idiots would play it, especially if their mates were trying to test the new cards. Still spells. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like. I, I feel uh, like she's called Yogo Scoop because dude, that's what I'll happens never when forget, you play it. I'll never forget. Lest we forget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, win. Overpowered. <laughs> on that note, um, everybody, thanks thanks for tuning in. If you've made it this far, you are truly uh, I'm really not sure what you are, but thank you anyway. Um <laughs> tenacious if nothing else. Tenacious. <laughs> we we praise you. Uh remember to download a deck of five things. Uh check out uh twitch.tv slash hidden city rollers where you'll be able to see the replay of the hot pink championship number five uh, where we see Graham take down Merlin uh, and we will see you next week bye bye ciao see ya.